Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. That's lovely. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been great uh, for Joy and myself uh, to be able to come from time to time and just be a part of the congregation here, uh, as well as to meet people uh, at various events around the town as we've shared stuff together. And like Sim says, uh, to join in on various bits and pieces, uh, leading stuff together or just turning up at things. It's really good fun. Um, what I'd like to do this morning is spend a, a bit of time looking at uh, a particular Bible passage. Uh, I've got a couple of images which are really sort of placeholder images, but to look at one uh, four-letter bit from a, a part of a letter that Paul writes to young Timothy, and in it he says to him twice in this passage, I was shown mercy. And just to kind of underline that to us. Uh, so let's pray, shall we? Loving God, as we come together now to look at your word and to discover more about your love for us in it, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come on us that as we study your word uh, and as we look at it as a written word, that in it we might meet Jesus, the living word. And as we do, our lives would be changed. Amen. So I was shown mercy. Have you ever had that conversation? I don't mean the ones that um, mums and dads have with teenage children. I don't mean that one. Um, I never had that one. My mum and dad gave me a little green book and said, go up in your bedroom and have a read of that one. And If you really have to ask questions, come talk to us later. Uh, I mean the kind of conversation that when you're young and in a new job, the kind of senior, grizzled person who's been doing the job for a while says, now then, young man, let me tell you how it really is. And they sit you down and they give you um, what they like to think of as the wisdom of their experience in the job, which is basically saying, I've been doing this a lot longer than you have, and I know an awful lot more than you do. And so let me tell you how you really ought to do it, um, because you're going to make a lot of mistakes, and you're going to get it all wrong, so you need to follow people like me, who are a lot cleverer than you are, and so I want to stop you making the mistakes, so do it like me. Or if you're very little and you're uh, going somewhere with your parents, it's the do what I say, not what I do kind of conversation. So when you see your parents drag you across a level crossing or a pedestrian crossing when the lights are on red against you, and you say, but, 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 uh, no, 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 just come with me. We're in a rush. But when you're doing it, you must wait for the lights to go green. That, that kind of conversation... I hadn't been a minister very long and uh, I was in a conversation with somebody and I was explaining a pastoral issue that I had and uh, the person who I was talking to was a minister with a lot more experience and we'd been talking for a while and they said to me, yes, but um, what we ministers find, and I thought, oh, I'm clearly not one <laughs> then because <laughs> I've, I've just kind of outlined where, exactly where we're doing this and I've clearly done it all wrong. <laughs> because they are the minister and I'm not. Well, listen to this passage. This is Paul 
writing to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and beginning at verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. Because I acted in ignorance and unbelief, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is Paul. Paul, the great pioneer of the Christian faith who stood up to the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, who when called back to answer for his actions, just said, look, this is what God's doing. This is what the Holy Spirit is up to in different places. I, I had to do this because this is how God is working. Was prepared to do all of those things. Was prepared to take on the challenges as God opened up new territory to him. Was somebody who caused, in a sense, people to tremble. Who was prepared to go and demand his rights as a Jewish citizen was prepared to demand his rights as a Roman citizen, was prepared at one point to say, uh, look, if you're looking for a Hebrew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, that's me. If you're looking for a Pharisee, if you want somebody who's blameless in keeping the Jewish law, that's me, who was prepared to, to do whatever it took to get the message across. When he writes to Timothy, this young protege of his, instead of saying, now then, young man, pay attention. Says, I was shown mercy. That's my credential. My credential for what I do in taking the gospel beyond where I've been into all of these new places is about the fact that God showed me mercy. The chief of sinners, as he calls himself. He said, that's why I have the capacity to go and do all that God asks of me. It's not about the fact that I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Not the fact that I can demand my rights as a Pharisee. Not the fact that I can claim to be a kind of Roman citizen and therefore demand to go to the governor. It is that God showed me mercy. And so he gives Timothy the same charge. He said, go and be a merciful leader. So what does that mean? Well, for Paul with his, his background in the Jewish understanding of scriptures, mercy is an incredibly rich word. Hesed. It, it's a word that that we can't translate into English. But it, it kind of is 
loving kindness, grace, graciousness, goodness, steadfast love, the compassion of God, and mercy. They're all wrapped up in this word, hesed. And it's a sense of the great outpouring of the goodness of God that's felt deep within the guts of the people who've encountered God. And Paul says, that's what I was shown by God. The sense of the grace of God that just wells up within me. And because of that outpouring on me, I was compelled to go and just build the church for God. And he says, and, and above everything else that I could stand on, he says to Timothy, that's why I go. And so he understood that none of the other qualifications were any good for him. And the only thing that mattered for him was this mercy that God had given him. He could use all the rest to open doors. He could use all of the rest to, to find ways in and to create opportunities. But the core of what drove him was this mercy that God had given him, had shown him. And it takes us back to a story that Jesus told. A couple of stories. I know that Sim preached last week on uh, the parable of the prodigal son uh, or the parable of the loving father. Or as some theologians are now writing, the parable of the unforgiving brother, depending on which version you want to look at. I want to look briefly at the two stories that go before that. Luke 15 is uh, three stories of three different things that were lost. So let me read this to you a minute and then three brief points on it. Jesus says this, uh, well, Luke says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Back to parties again. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully till she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What's this got to do with mercy? What's it got to do with that sense of mercy being shown? Well, I want to uh, tie it into that with three 
brief points. And the first one is that it is mercy that finds us. A, a parable, as many of you will know, is, is a, a story about faith. Uh, when I was growing up, I was told repeatedly that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And I just think that's just such a lovely, simple description. And when Jesus tells parables, they are always stories uh, that have a character in them somewhere that is going to represent God. And in both of these stories, there is somebody who's going on a search for something that's lost. And the amazing thing about them, the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin, is that the whole is incomplete without the one who is lost. And Jesus tells this story to a group of people steeped in the Old Testament, our Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures. And as he tells the story, uh, with, with great preachers overstress, imagine telling this story to a crowd of people on a Jewish hillside and saying, what shepherd wouldn't leave all 99 sheep in a sheep pen to go and find one? Imagine them looking at each other and saying, Really? Abandon all 99 to go? Okay, let's go with the story. Well, what person who's got 90% of their wealth wouldn't just kind of put it on one side and, and look for 10%? Strange idea, but what kind of person is this? And then they think, well, hang on a minute. This is God. This is God who says that nothing is complete when not everybody is there. Mercy goes to find that which makes everything incomplete. Because we are not whole when some of us are not there. We live in a throwaway age, don't we? Watching some of those TV programs... Uh, which details the mountains of food that we throw away. Felt really guilty. I, I love scones with jam and cream. It comes from 20 years of living in Cornwall. Uh, please note, the only way to eat it is jam first and cream on top, please. <laughs> Don't argue with me, there is no other way of doing it. And it has to be Methodist cream. It's produced by Rodders of Redruth in Cornwall. No other cream to be eaten. I felt very guilty this last week because we bought some scones to put, uh, actually rose scones also from Cornwall. It's my Cornish years coming out here. And um, realised that we'd forgotten to eat them and they'd gone well over their date and they were no longer edible and we had to throw them away. And I was reflecting on how easy it is that we just get rid of stuff. And it's so easy for us to say, well, I can get more. I can just have stuff and I can ditch it when it's no longer usable, suitable. And for us, if we said, well, I've got 90%, I've got 99%, that's great. If I'd ever sat an exam in school and got 90%, I would throw a party. 
Actually, when I got 51% in an exam in school, I did throw a party. I was not academically the greatest person in my school. And yet here is Jesus saying, for God, 90%, 99%. It's not enough. Mercy is not happy. Mercy wants 100%. Mercy goes looking for the lost 1% because glory and heaven are not full. And so mercy is not happy without all of that and goes to search for what is missing. And Timothy, Paul, when he writes to Timothy, says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Goes to search. And that search is completed on the cross with the resurrection. And Paul says, even me, even the chief of sinners, I was shown mercy. And because of that, I do what I do. Mercy finds us. And the sheep and the coin can't speak, but we can. What's our testimony? How do we tell people that we were at some point part of the 10%, part of the 1%, and mercy found us? And said, come home. Because it's not complete without you. And you're wanted. His testimony to Timothy is not, do what I do. It's not, pay attention to me because I'm older and wiser and more accomplished than you. It is simply, I was shown mercy. So if mercy comes to search for us, secondly, mercy brings us together. Fantastic image that we see in many examples of art that the shepherd, when that young lamb is found, is put on his shoulders and brought home. You've seen pictures like that where the lamb is draped around Presumably because by the time it's found, it's too tired or it's injured or it's in need of comfort. And so the shepherd carries the lamb home. Can we pop to the next slide? There we are. And the image of the shepherd who, having gone searching, brings that missing lamb home and unites it with the other 99. Not simply saying, well, I found you, uh, follow me. But actually just picks it up and brings it back into the sheep pen. Mercy brings us together and calls to their friends and says, come and see. I've got my lamb back. The woman, having cleaned out the house and found the coin, goes and finds her neighbours and says, I found the coin. One set of commentators reckoned that it might have been uh, her wedding band that, of coins, part of her dowry, 
And so it wasn't just simply a coin, but it was something really important. And so she, having found it, wanted to call the neighbours and say, I, I found this. It was really important to me and it was lost and now I've got it back. So I want to share the fact that I've got it, that it is now complete. But whatever the truth behind it, because it's a story, it's a parable. What lies underneath that parable is that the shepherd and the woman have reunited that which was lost. And as they bring it home, they call their friends together. And the lost are found and now everybody is coming together out of that reuniting. And the response of mercy of Hesed is to gather lives together because of grace. Lifted by mercy and reunited. I can't tell you your story, but I can tell you mine. Some of you will have remarkable stories of how you were found and brought together. My story is a really ordinary one. I was carried into church before I was born. I went in as part of a bump. My parents, my grandparents, and my great-grandparents are part of the heritage of the church. And quite boringly, I've never had a rebellion from the church. I grew up in a little chapel in my home valley, and I've been involved ever since. I started preaching at 17, and as Sim said, I had a sizable birthday quite recently, one with a naught on the end and a six at the beginning. So I've been preaching for 43 years and in various kinds of leadership. I've never left the Methodist church. I tried. I tried three times. And every time I tried, God put a stop to it and every time I accepted that there was a stop to it God then said and now we've got over that let's give you something to do and the last time he said right now let's get a collar around your neck but my story is a story of encountering Christ through those moments doesn't mean I've never had a moment of feeling actually out of it even within the life of the church. Doesn't mean I've never needed Christ to come and find me within the life of the church and say, Oi, come home. Doesn't mean I've never needed to be picked up and carried back to where everybody else is. It doesn't mean I've never needed to be rescued within that. But it does mean that I can testify to what Jesus has done and is doing. And it does mean I can rejoice in those moments when I've been brought back in and can celebrate with people. Because I know that mercy has come to search for me. And that mercy has brought me back in just as it has brought you back in or is maybe 
searching for you at this very moment. And finally, my third point is that mercy leads to rejoicing. Really important. I like that picture. <laughs> that is not taken at my birthday party, just so you know. <laughs> the story in Luke 15 that we read began when Jesus was criticized by the church leaders for having far too much fun, associating with sinners, eating too much, having parties. And Jesus' response was to tell these stories. Story of the sheep, story of the ring, uh, the coin, and the story then of the prodigal son. And to say, uh, having fun, enjoying being with people, celebrating, is because mercy has gone and looked for the lost, has brought them back together, and we need to rejoice. That's what church is about. That's what God is about. That's what Paul then writes to Timothy and says, I was shown mercy. That's what grace, hesed, does. Is God in action? And Jesus' response is to say, whenever the good news comes to the lost, comes to those who have somehow taken themselves to the edge, Whenever sheep and coins and people are brought back into their rightful place, then there is a celebration of the entire community. Because the shepherd and the woman go and call their friends and their neighbours and say, come and have a party with me. Interesting, um, at the Greenbelt Festival just recently, the Archbishop of Canterbury was interviewed. And uh, they said to him, um, what do you think of the state of the Church of England? And he said, well, one thing I know for certain is that the Church of England needs far fewer meetings and many more parties. I think it's not just the Church of England. I think the Methodist Church could say exactly the same thing. Uh, I won't speak for any other church. That's the church I know. Um, we are trying at Romsey to have many more parties. We have just begun last night... Uh, a two-year program called Holy Habits, uh, which comes out of a book written by a friend of mine, Andrew Roberts. And the first habit, it is based on the end of Acts chapter 2, uh, which looks at what the early disciples did. And the first habit that we are beginning with is eating together. So we had a party last night. And so we're going to spend quite a while eating together. We had bangers and mash last night, which is great fun. So if you want to eat a lot, then come and share some meals with us down at the Methodist Church. You'll be very welcome. But everyone, Jesus says, when people are rescued, deserves a party. It's a celebration of new life and new hope and new possibilities. I'm going to end in a moment. I just want to underline something for us, though. There is one problem with that, and it's this. The wrong sort of people end up having parties thrown for them. 
You see, the good shepherd wants to go and bring home the people who don't look like us. The people who don't enjoy the things that we enjoy. The people who drove into your car last month. The people whose kids keep riding their bikes over your garden. The really loud ones who always shout at you when you walk your dog past their garden. Because the good shepherd is not happy until 100% are at the party. Because mercy goes to look for everyone and wants to bring everyone back and wants a party when everyone is involved. Because after all, he came for us too. Should we pray? Loving God, we are so grateful that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And maybe many of us could say that we, when we look at our own lives, might want to say that we are the chief of them. We thank you that your grace is made abundantly available to us. Thank you, Father. In these moments, help us to recognize that you came and searched for us. That you carried us home. That you are still searching for those who have not yet been found. Who are not yet ready to come home. Maybe this morning there are those who are waiting to be picked up and brought home for a party. And we, Lord, are ready to rejoice. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.